0: Psalm 139, recent days in our nation it's become quite apparent that there are agendas in state governments, in legislation, things that are yet to be even birthed that we don't know about, in fact one of the ones that you've been hearing about Virginia and the governor there and the legislation that uh, he wants to to bring, but there is also uh, what happened in New York State and uh, that's already been signed into law, Uh, Governor Cuomo, uh, and the rejoicing. I mean, it was sickening to watch people rejoice over something like that. They even lit up a building for the day uh, because of that legislation. So in light of that, and the things that you may or may not know about is this is also going on in Rhode Island. There are other states that are looking at similar legislation. We have an assault on life. And God speaks very clearly about where we as his people should stand when it comes to life. I also realize that when we talk about a subject like abortion, I realize that that today, because of the vast number of those that have experienced abortions in our nation over these last almost 50 years now, that there are a number of people sitting here that you've been through that. And uh, there are families that have been through that. There are men sitting here that you thrust that and were consenting to that, or you even pushed that on a lady that became pregnant. So I I, I simply say this. I speak with a season of grace and mercy because of that when I speak on this subject. And I want to say something at the beginning, and I'm going to repeat it at the end. If you've been there... I already know you're suffering. I have counseled many, many people that have been in that arena of life. And the guilt is overwhelming later on when they figure out that's what's played out. They've taken a life. So I want to say something to you. There is repentance for you, and there is a gracious God that we serve that stands so ready to forgive if he hasn't already forgiven you because you asked him before today. He forgives us for our failures. And that's where your healing lies, is coming to Him and allowing Him to bathe you in His healing solution that's in Jesus Christ. So I just share that up front because I realize just about every family has been at least affected by this subject matter today. I want you to join me in Psalm 139. And I want to ask God to bless our time. Father, thank you for the great worship and praise. We thank you for this service. We thank you for every single person here. And Lord, I've already had people today tell me that they almost didn't come because of the subject matter, that it just so deeply troubles them. Lord, I pray that we would not run from this, but we would be people that realize we must engage. We must speak and we must exercise our voice. Father, or it will be taken away from us. There's a mass attempt in our nation to shove the church of Jesus Christ in the corner and tell us to go to our buildings and be quiet. And Lord, this pastor, I will not be quiet. I know what you've told us is truth. The truth must be free in our culture. And Lord, then people can decide. So we pray. That as we approach this subject today, Lord, we do it with fear and trembling and all humility. But the real holocaust of this 21st century and the end of the 20th, it needs to stop. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to join me today in Psalm 139. I'll be in some other passages as well. But that'll be where we kind of sit down today today in the passage that I'm going to share with you. And one thing that's really, really important, you know, it's really saddened me that the governor of, uh, Governor Northam of uh, Virginia, he got in the news because of some, some statements he made. And the statements he made had to do with infanticide. It had to do with the, 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 the killing of life after it's actually born. He made the statement about after the baby was born, and this is, now you got to remember who this guy is. Before he was governor, he was an OBGYN. So to think of a doctor that's supposed to be about saving lives and has taken the oath to do such, it's just kind of mind-boggling to hear a doctor say this and say the reverse of that. But he may have seen the language about let's keep the child comfortable and then there will be a discussion with the mother and the doctor about what to do. And it's the discussion, the open endedness of taking a life. And I just wanted to share with you that uh, we just, we just need to understand God has very clearly spoken about this in His Word. I want you to join me in looking at some scripture this morning. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. These words are found. God says that so God created man in his own image, and the image of God created him male and female. He created them. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, listen to what's said about you if you're in Jesus Christ. He says, for we are God's workmanship. He says, as we read on, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let me go on record and make something abundantly clear from the get-go. Life is a God thing. God is the giver of life, and we are not the takers of life. We, as the Church of Jesus Christ, must echo what God is saying. Even if we've been there ourselves or we've been affected by this as a family, and I know that's most folks today, I, I can't tell you how many times I have, have, I, I have spoken on this subject and had ladies come down the aisle at other churches and share with me what they had gone through and what choice they made and, and the hurting that is going on in their life now after a realization of what they did. Men, the same thing that shoved a woman to go to, to have an abortion. I want you to look with me at scriptures this morning because the scriptures make it abundantly clear. God is the giver of life. God is the one who takes life from us and then gives us life what? Eternal. Life eternal. Listen, it's important for us to understand that God says some things and I want you to go to Psalm 139. I'm going to just take you there and I'm going to do a little running commentary and then we'll come down to a primary text that I'm going to use this morning. And here's what it says, and here's your first fill-in, okay? We are valuable because God made us and knows us. Did you know God made you and He knows you? And through Jesus Christ, the sin factor can be removed, and we can personally have a relationship with God. But I want you to hear some language from the Old Testament this morning about how God made you. He made you. Now, in those first couple of verses, Psalm 139, verse 2, he says that he knows, God knows when I sit down and when I, what? When I rise. God knows that. That's how intimately he's aware of me as his creation and of you. God knows all of you at the Oaks are sitting right now. Did you, I mean, did you, just think about that. He knows you're sitting down right now. Beyond that, he knows some other things about you. He knows it all, in fact. Listen to this. In verse 2, he says that he perceives your thoughts. Wow, that's a mind-blower, isn't it? God knows what you're thinking right now. Yes, I'm serious. God knows what you are thinking. He perceives your thoughts. You don't even have to verbalize it. He knows what's in your mind. He knows what you're thinking even at this moment. The Bible says so. Look at this. He discerns you're going out and you're lying down. Well, he knows you're sitting and when you rise, he definitely knows when you're outside and when you come back in, doesn't he? He knows these things about you. He is an intimate God. He knows his creation and has a relationship. Even prior to Jesus Christ coming into our lives, the Bible says that he, this is talking about from... From birth on, I'll show you that in a second. Before a word comes out of your mouth, he knows what you're going to say. Isn't that amazing? Before you even utter a word. I already said he knows your thoughts, right? If you read verse 7 down through about verse 10, you'll see some really neat things. But it says that in verse 4 that he knows you completely. He knows He knows it completely. He knows everything about you. If you read 7 through 10, you'll see that you can't go anywhere, get separated from Him, that He's got you. He sees you wherever you go. It even paints a picture that if you go to Shio, He knows you're there. Isn't that amazing? He knows where you are. Now look at this. Second of all, we are valuable even before we're born. We need to really understand what God does when He makes and creates a baby. Listen to verse uh, 13. He says, and I'm going to kind of camp down here, 13 to about verse 16. He says, for you created my inmost being. The psalmist is speaking about his own creation. And listen to this inspiration of God that God gives to him in this psalm. He says, you made my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made. And listen to this incredible reference in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came about. I want to tell you something. Yesterday, uh, Don Smarto and I were over with the honeys, and we were working on laying out the the memorial service this coming Tuesday. Uh, Faye, if you haven't heard, Miss Faye passed away at 91, and we'll have her memorial service on Tuesday right here in Looper at 230 and I hope if you possibly can, can you'll, you'll come and support the family and share your love with them, uh, with Deanna and, and Roger. And uh, anyway, Deanna pulls out this book. And it's a book that her mom, a few years ago, decided to write. And it's a book about her life, about Faye's life. And we had just done this division where I was going to do the message and use her Bible and some things, and Don was going to do the eulogy, and we were, you know, kind of sharing the load, and I said, well, you'll have to do a lot of research. Well, she says, no, not really. And she pulls out this book, and Faye had written down everything that's happened in her whole life, and has pictures on each page. 18 pages. I mean, the eulogy's done. I'm like, well, Don, you got it easy on this one. I've got... I got to work on the message. And I've been digging in her Bible. I've got her Bible and you know if you've been to a funeral I I really like to do that have somebody's Bible which all you guys electronically are making that harder for me because you don't use that that paper copy now but uh, anyway usually there's quite a story there in those pages of scripture and I'm 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 doing that. So I'm looking at these pictures and here's what stuck out so in such an amazing way. The further Deanna's pictures, which she's the firstborn child, and has uh, three or either four siblings. I'm, I'm trying to remember, but she, she, uh, the pictures were all through this book, and these are this is this is Faye's story in her own words. It's, I mean, you ought, we ought to all do this. This it make your eulogy perfect, right? And you know, if you want to write some things in there, you want to make sure they cover other things. You want to leave out. You can do that, can't you? So uh, anyway, I'm looking at this and I'm looking at those pictures and the farther we got into Faye's life, the more it looked like I was looking at Deanna Honey. Because children naturally reflect their parents, don't they? It's pretty amazing. Every now and then you meet somebody and they don't look anything like their parents. you are going, well, what happened? You know. But it's very natural for them to, now think about this. This passage tells us that God knit him together in the womb. God is the one that is knitting, pulling together, weaving together. God says that each human life is knit together. And you have the Hebrew word there which means that it's to be fenced in in this restricted area and This holy act takes place of a life is created. A living soul, a being. And it's such a beautiful thing. And here's this amazing thing. Mom and dad enter into creation with God. Almighty, think about that. You enter into creation. And you create a living person with God. You join him in that process. 23 chromosomes of the 46, 23 of them are stamped from mom and 23 are stamped from dad. Every now and then you look at somebody and you go, I think they got 30. (laughs) You know, I think they got 36 because they look so much like that other person maybe, especially of the same sex sometimes. And uh, you look at that. But here, people... No matter how bugged you might have been at your kid this morning or how bugged you might have been bugged at a grandkid this morning, you have gotten to participate in something incredible. You have joined God in creating life. Isn't that amazing? You have gotten blessed in that way. Some people have not. And I know for some people it's a, it's a, it's a heartache and they, have, they, they choose to be mentors and moms and dads in other ways, as uncles and aunts and and other relationships. But it's an amazing thing that God lets us join Him in creation. Now, there's another Hebrew word here that's in the next passage, and I know after what I said last week, none of you are going to listen to me when I quote Hebrew, right? You're going to be like, he doesn't know that too good, you know. Uh, But I'm going to share with you, in the passage it says that we are fearfully and what? wonderfully made let me help you get a hold of this because this is who you are it's who god made you and it's so important we understand what he says in regard to this and and it's it's a significant thing when you talk about god and creation making you there's nothing uh, of little significance about almighty god creating something right see god created all the world the universe as we know it, universe is plural, if that's the case, and, and as the scientists tell us these days, but whatever the case is, God made it all, and God continues to create. It's an amazing thing, and here's the neat thing. He lets you join in. In the Old Testament, he let them be carriers of the message of the law. In the New Testament, and it was also supposed to be a message of carrying that the Messiah is going to come from the Jews. The Messiah will come. Israel kind of fumbled the ball off and on with that. They were not always faithful, a remnant was. And the church of Jesus Christ comes along, and Jesus comes and splits time. And Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, now lives in us And the church of Jesus Christ, carries on the marching orders for God. And we get to join Him in His work and in His creation of new lives and new churches and developing churches. Isn't that awesome? We get to be a part of what he continues to do. God really gets into his people working with him in creative ways. Amen? You're wondering where I'm going with this. Well, good. Look what he says. He says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The Hebrew word there of "pala" is a really interesting term because it means you've been set apart. And young people, I got to talk to you. Wednesday night about being set apart, sanctified, that that's God's will for you. Uh, But look at the other meanings. It also means to marvel at or that you are fearfully and wonderfully made like the translation. I want you to do something that's fun this morning, okay? Church ought to be fun, amen, church? It ought to be fun when we get together. Listen, look at somebody and say, I'm marveling at you. Would you just do that? Because God said that's what we're supposed to do, that we're marveling, okay? Now, you in return say back to them, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, all right? And isn't it funny that we come in all shapes and sizes? God tells us in the book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 7, He even knows the number of hairs on your head. For some of you, that is a mass event. For others of you... It's not so hard. Some of us might have been able to do it, right? Listen, God made you. It's a marvel. Follow me? You're a marvel. You're a creation of God. In light of being a creation of God, you have every right to live your full life. It is a core belief. Our nation, Thomas Jefferson, in the Declaration of Independence, wrote, that we have these unalienable rights and that for us that would be starting the United States of America those rights are what? You remember this portion? It comes right at the beginning. Life, liberty, and what? The pursuit of happiness. We as a nation took that from a biblical frame of reference that every life gets to live We didn't have this stuff in medical science then to deal with. Every life gets to live, and here's the bottom line. You get your life, you get to pursue what? You can pursue happiness. Isn't that an awesome thing that that's written in our Declaration of Independence as a Nation? That life, liberty, freedom is such a precious thing, isn't it? These concepts came right out of judeo-christian values and our history they came out of our history and when we talk about this subject of life it's written right there in the declaration of independence that started us as a nation we declare that everybody has this right what that they have the right to life the right to life liberty and what happiness happiness can we make people happy? Can government make people happy? I think some of them think so. Happiness is an individual pursuit, isn't it? And if you go to the right places, you can find real joy, lasting joy, and you can discover happiness along the way. Amen? Now, did you tell somebody that you just simply marvel at them this morning? Did you? Listen, every one of those babies, and here's something I get to do as a pastor that some of you maybe not you don't get to do. I get to go to hospitals and go see. Not only did I get to hold my babies, and I looked at them, and I'm like, wow, God, you sure know how to cook. You sure know how to weave. You sure know how to put somebody together. You look at that little perfect person. Sin nature and all, but you look at them, and you're like blown away. And I remember every time I just... This is an overwhelming love that came out of my heart for those children. But as a pastor, I've gotten to do that again again and again, where I, 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 one of my favorite visits is to go to the hospital when you have a baby. So if you don't let me know, I am mad at you. all right? Because I love that. I love listen, there's so much of ministry that's sad and heavy, and it's got a burden with it. Man, I love doing weddings and seeing people get married and start their life together. I love going to the hospital and seeing a mom and dad with a new baby. You know why? It's life, it's celebration, isn't it? And that, I love to hold those babies. I've gotten pictures with bukus of them through the years where I'll hold them. I love to dedicate babies and do that uh, right in front of the church. And sometimes couples want to do that even in more of a private setting, but I love to do those things. Those are such wonderful celebrations. And uh, every now and then I'll have a picture pop up on Facebook, and it's another baby that I, was, I had a picture with of, of a family at the hospital, uh, and those memories that you know how it pop up that this, this is five years ago, four years ago. And it just blesses my heart. You are to be marveled at. Isn't that awesome? You think God's crazy about you? He made you. He made you. You're to be marveled at. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's the stroke section of the message today, all right? You you are that. And we look at a little baby, and it's just such an incredible thing. I want to tell you something. With the onslaught that's going on about life in our nation I was very pleased to hear President Trump say what he did Tuesday night in the State of the Union. If you didn't hear it, let me quote to you this portion of his speech. It was about life. Now, I don't know what, how you feel about President Trump. That's not my issue. I'm just glad that the commander, the chief and commander of our nation made this statement about life because he's right. And I, I really wish he quit tweeting. I really would do. Yeah, I mean, it just runs all over me at times. I'm like, don't, don't. But he does, you know. So listen to what he said. This is in the State of the Union this past Tuesday night. He said, there could be no greater contrast to the beautiful image of a mother holding her infant child Than the chilling display our nation saw in recent days. Lawmakers in New York cheered with delight upon the passage of legislation that would allow a baby to be ripped from the mother's womb before just right up to birth. These are living, feeling, beautiful babies who will never get the chance to share their love and their dreams with the world. He went on to say, and then... We had the case of the governor of Virginia where he stated that he would execute a baby after birth. Folks, that's just plain old murder. That's a living soul, plain and simple. This, he he goes on to say, to defend the dignity of every person, I'm asking Congress to pass legislation to prohibit late-term abortions of children who can feel the pain in mother's womb. Well, I'd go beyond him on that. Uh, Let us work together to build a culture that cherishes innocent life. And then he ended with this statement, and I thought this was great. He said, and let us reaffirm a fundamental truth. And boy, do we need political figures to speak truth, real truth, absolute truth. Let us reaffirm a fundamental truth. All children, born and unborn, are made in the holy image of God. That's just it. He's right. I was grateful that he made that statement. To me, this is not political. I know it's a political subject in our nation, but it's not political. This is an issue that the Scripture and God speaks to, and we should do the same. Listen to this. Things that you may know or you may not know, but things about the process of a baby's growth. These are just kind of cool. And my mother was an ultrasound uh, technician, and she ran an ultrasound lab. She was the manager of that ultrasound. So we have long ultrasounds of our babies. I mean, you wouldn't believe how long they are until my mom found out if there was a stem on that apple or there was not. She just kept looking and looking and looking. And we looked to make sure there was all fingers there. I'll get over it. Uh, and they, they were looking about, you know, just to see, is, is the face right? And are there ear, two ears, and is there one mouth? And, you know, she's just all over the baby until she gets every view that there is. And, you know, you want to know if it's a boy or a girl. And some of you today don't want to know, and I don't understand you because I wanted to know. I just wanted to know. And, uh, but that's That's me. Uh, 21 days after a baby is conceived, listen to this, that baby has a backbone, a spinal cord, nervous system. Those are all beginning to form. A small heartbeat is detectable and present, and most of the time, at 21 days, it can be detected by certain instruments of, of hearing that. At one month, arms and legs are present. There is a head uh, with rudimentary eyes and ears and mouth and brain. The digestive system has started to begin. The baby is still one-fourth, listen to this, of an inch long, but now is 10,000 times larger than when that baby was conceived. At two months, the baby is fully formed. He reacts to stimuli uh, such as tickling. He may grasp things inside the womb with his tiny hand, He swims in his mother's little built-in pool, and he has fingerprints that are now formed. By three months, that little boy or that little girl, at the end of three months, they can kick their legs, they can turn their feet, they can curl and fan their toes, they can make a fist, and some of us have seen that on the videos. They can move their thumb, bend their wrist, turn their head, squint, frown, open their mouth, swallow, and even breathe. And yes, it is fluid at that point. They have fingernails that are forming. And I could go on and on about babies and their development. But let me say this. When, in the Old Testament, you'll see some law in the book of Leviticus about if you injured a woman and caused her to lose her child, and the penalties that were involved there. Even in our, our government here, most states have laws that if you injure a woman and cause her to, have, to lose her child, there are many states that you can be prosecuted for manslaughter. Isn't that amazing? I want to share with you that this is so important. In the American war casualty list, listen to this, the Revolutionary War has had over 25,000. Civil War, almost a half million. We did that to one another. It's unreal, isn't it? World War II, over 400,000 died. Korean War, this is the U.S. list, not the the, the total list. The Korean War, 54,000 plus. The Vietnam War, 56,000, almost 57. The Gulf War, 293. The War on Terror since 2001 when they attacked our nation. The, this is battles that have taken place in Iraq and I, Afghanistan, and this information is from the Brown University Cost of War Report, where they give this annually, and so my information goes back to the month of uh, November, and I want you to see that 2018, that is what uh, the most recent that, that I could really find, even though some have accounts above, uh, beyond that uh, up to our date, uh, that there have been... 6,972 died that were soldiers here in the United States. There have been 7,820 U.S. contractors, people involved that uh, were there. And if you count all the deaths that have taken place in that war since 2001, it is now over 507,000 people. That's counting all nations. I bring all that up to say that there is a war on the unborn. And I do think you should talk about it and think about it like that. There's a war on uh, on the unborn. And in our nation as the United States, since Roe versus Wade, 1973, you probably ought to have a seatbelt. We have aborted in this nation 61 million plus people. You need to look at Abortion is a world topic because it's unbelievable. Since 1971, in China, there have been over 350 million abortions. How many did I say in the United States? 61. China has used this as population control because it's so large with their million or billion people there. Um, they have also sterilized over 200 million women making it where they can't have children. They have used those devices that will prevent pregnancy or if the pregnancy occurs, it actually causes an abortion uh, to take place and for that child not to be able to stay in the mother's womb. There's been another 403, I believe, million that have had that device planted inside of women there in China. Listen, folks, if you look at what is called the Abortion, WorldwideAbortionClock.org. It is a tally of abortions throughout the world since the early 70s. And for some nations, it was prior to the, to the Roe versus Wade. Most of them are, like for China, it goes back to 1971 when that started. But here we have this medical knowledge, and we're destroying lives with it. I want you to hear something that will blow you away. About 20% of the world's population doesn't exist. Look at the figure. There it is. 1.5 billion. And you'll see that's on Thursday that I put that stat there. That was Thursday morning. I was studying for this message and I looked at the world clock, the abortion world clock, that while I was doing the message. So there's been four more days that have added on, and here's the bottom line. Basically, for every second that goes by in our day, there's another child aboard in the world. Some seconds, it's two. It's higher than that now. I don't know about you, but that is staggering, isn't it? To think that that many people haven't had life. I want to share with you this. And let me just wrap up. Some of you know of an evangelist by the name of James Robinson. James Robinson can preach. <laughs> and he's getting up in some years now. I think he's up in his late 60s or maybe early 70s. But he is, he's up there. And I'll simply tell you this. James Robinson, his mother conceived him in a rape. She was raped. He was the product. Well, abortion wasn't even available then. This is back in the uh, late 50s or early 60s. No, it was earlier than that, back in the 50s. He has led, I saw him preach in uh, San Diego, California one time when we'd taken a bunch of men from Tucson, Arizona, the church I pastored, to San Diego to a Promise Keeper event. And there were about 60,000 men in the, the, the stands there. And James Robinson preached the gospel and there was over 3,000 men that went forward. And, I, and later it was announced that over 2,000 of them accepted Christ. It was amazing. Now, I don't know how God works in this way. I, I want to believe that if God didn't have one instrument like James Robinson to work through, he would use somebody else to reach those people. I, w- I want to believe that. But I don't know that. You don't either. You don't either. What if James Robinson didn't exist you see we get into this tough arena where uh, birth defects and uh you know just you can go on and on with the 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 things that someone may decide that child should not live you can get into the subject matter of well you know this was incest or rape and those are tough subjects but I'll just simply say this. If James Robinson hadn't had his life, he wouldn't have had this incredible ministry. This is a Texas boy I'm talking about. And he's had an incredible ministry. I am personally of, 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 of the heart and mind that everybody deserves their life. Everybody. So for me, that's... The, and, and listen, if you come out of a different place on those topics... I can understand that because that's that's brutal to that woman. That's further 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 pain in her life. But there is adoption, and there are lots of people that like to have a baby. And you got to weigh that out. Bottom line is, I want to leave you with this, and I'm going to close with this. In the book of Proverbs, chapter six, Solomon, in all of his wisdom, says. There's some things that in your fallen nature God just despises in us. Here they are. He gives us a list. So reflect upon this yourself of whether the, any of these are true about you. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him about his creation, humanity. He hates haughty eyes. Another way to say that is when we're full of stinking pride, God really hates that. He likes humility. He's the one that made us. We really don't have that much to brag on. Amen? (laughs) I know I puffed you up earlier, but now I'm deflating you, okay? He says he hates a lying tongue. Boy, does Washington, D.C. need to hear that. Hands that shed innocent blood. Are we not talking about that subject today, right now? hands that shed innocent blood that is abortion and we lived in we lived in in Dayton where Dr. Haskells was the inventor and the one that propagated the third trimester abortion he was having babies partially delivered and then taking an object and literally ripping out underneath their skull their brain stem that's, I mean, that's how gross. That, that's a baby, a helpless baby in its mother's womb. That, that, that technique, we, we, we saw some of those clinics of his close. But he's the one that start, started, he and a few other doctors, started this third trimester abortion. It was right there in Dayton. He kept starting and opening new clinics. It's all about the money. He said, A heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush to evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. That ought to come all the way home to the church. Amen? But that should not be. Yes, stand up for what's not right in church, but my goodness, don't fight let's don't fight among one another. In in society and in culture. Hands that shed innocent blood. We'll close right there.